Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Man, so glad to be with you and we're welcoming everybody who's with us online. We love you as well and I'm just struck this morning with gratitude that we can do this, aren't you? Like, I don't know, I'm just overwhelmed with thankfulness that we can get together and be with one another. And what a gift that is, to, to learn together, to grow together. And if you're brand new to ACF, know that uh, we're just, we're honored and excited that you're here with us. Uh, wherever you're at in your journey with Jesus, we say this a lot, you don't have to believe to belong at ACF, uh, which simply means that we hope that you're somewhere on the journey learning about Jesus, uh, maybe asking questions about church and about uh, your faith and just kind of figuring that out. We are all at some place on the journey. So uh, this is the community that maybe you've been looking for if you're looking for a place where you don't have it, have it all figured out or have to have it all figured out to be part of the family, because guess what? We're all figuring it out. So praise God for that. If you have a Bible, open up to Luke chapter 4. That's where we're going to be today, and we're going to cover some serious ground. I'm really excited about what we're just discussing here today, but let's just get straight into the text. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 says this, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen to that, huh? Um, I feel like we should pray. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray real quick. Jesus, thank you so much for these words. We ask that you would illuminate the word to us today, help it to make sense to us. Uh, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us to, to figure out what to do with what we learn, that we would know what our next step is. God, thank you so much for this family we call ACF, for the journey we've been on over this past year, and for the vision that you're taking us into. Father, watch over us today. Guide us into better things, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, I'm excited. It's, it's springtime. We're getting into the summer. I'm already looking forward to this fall. Uh, any hunters in the room? Any, a few of you hunters in the room? All right. So uh, just really excited about getting into that season where we can get out in the woods. And uh, so we've, we've been a hunting family my whole life. I've, I've grown up hunting. And I was just thinking this week about last fall, I was able to harvest an Alaska moose, which was incredible and exciting and, and really just a, a huge gift. And uh, long story short, I got away from my hunting partners, and, and I was alone, and I was glassing this mountainside with my binoculars, and I ended up seeing an antler, and then I zoomed in, and I was like, okay, so this is a legal bull moose, and I did the full-on thing, the whole thing, the stalk, I, I hiked down the valley up to the other side, took me a few hours, and, and finally I got positioned for the shot. The animal was like 100 yards away from me, and you know, uh, the, the adrenaline was going through the roof, and my heart's just pounded out of my chest, and I got my little shooting stick, which is this little like stabilizer 
rising stick in front of me, and I got my rifle up, the old .30-06, ready to go for the shot. I get it in the scope, and I get the crosshairs on the animal, and it's just the perfect moment. You guys know what that's like if you're a hunter. You know this moment. And there's this, this moment between when you get the animal in the scope and you pull the trigger. And there's a lot going on in that very short amount of time. You're trying to control your heart rate. You're trying to get your anxiety level down a little bit. You're trying to make sure that you do this right. And in my head, I still remember so clearly, there were three words that were going through my head, and it was these words, make it count, right? Make it count. Because you know that if you're a hunter, you know, when you pull the trigger on an animal, that may be the last time you see that animal, I mean, it might fall down because you shot it, or it might run off and you never get another chance. And so you know you get one shot at this, and and you want to make sure it happens. Make it count. When I think of make it count, there are some other words that come to mind. I think of the word precision, right? Precision. Uh, You know, my dad always taught me, what is it? Aim small, Miss small, that's right. Aim small, miss small. So you want to aim for a very small target on the animal. And so I had it really honed in there. had the scope cranked all the way up. I had my shot set up. I think of focus. You want the animal focus. You want the target focused. You want to be focused because this is your only opportunity. I, I think of sacrifice. It took some work to get down there. It took some work to get near this animal. It took some work to prepare for the entire trip. I, I sacrificed to make this happen. I think of effort, right? There was effort involved, effort in pulling the trigger. There was going to be some effort in hauling the animal out of the woods if I actually had a good shot. And probably the most important word I think of is impact. You want to make an impact, right? Every hunter knows there's this moment where you pull the trigger, and if you're lucky and if it's quiet enough, you hear this sound, and it sounds something like this. And you're like, did it, right? That animal is going to the... If you're like an animal lover, I don't know what to tell you. You're in the wrong church. You're maybe in the wrong state. You might need to move. I don't know. But we're a lot of hunters in Alaska. And we, I love animals. I, they're delicious. So um, big animal lover. I'm going to make some enemies today. So I think there's one question that I would hope that you've asked throughout your life. If you haven't, I hope today you would ask it. And it's simply this. Am I living a life that counts? Am I living a life that counts? Once in a while, we get kind of woken up out of our stupor, and and, and we get a reality check that, man, life really is kind of short, and do I even matter? Does does my life even matter? I've uh, walked with some friends through some difficult medical diagnosis recently. Uh, Another friend of mine just lost his dad, and we're grieving with him losing his dad. It was kind of sudden. And in all of that pain and, and, and struggle and suffering that we go through in life, we should be asking this question, and it kind of causes us to ask this question, am I living a life that counts? Jesus, in this moment, is indicating what kind of life he's going to live. And as he opens the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and these words that were were written 600 years earlier, Jesus is saying, hey, I am the fulfillment of this prophecy. I am the Savior. I am the Messiah. Everything changes now because of the life that I'm going to live. And Jesus knew he had a mission. He had a job to do. He had something to accomplish in this world. Do you know what that is? Are you living a life that counts? I'm convinced that we can't live a life that counts if we can't answer one simple question. And this may be the question 
of all questions. It may be the question that could help your marriage. It could maybe save your marriage. It could give you deeper friendships, more fullness of life. It might even be the question that drives you to want to get out of bed tomorrow morning, and it's this question. Why are you here? Why are you here? Some of you are like, I've been asking myself that all morning. My wife drugged me to church. Now, why are you in this building? But why did you wake up today? Why did you get another breath? Like, like it's a gift that you, that you got up. It's a gift that you are here, that you have the strength to even come and join in with us today. Why are you here? Psalm 90, 12, this is the only prayer of Moses in the Psalms. It says this, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. There's something to this. Uh, do you know anybody that numbers their days? Uh, for you who are graduating, you're maybe not numbering your days. It feels like there's a lot of life in front of you. You've got your whole life coming, and you're thinking, man, I don't even know what to do next. Uh, others of you, as you get into your 40s and your 50s and your 60s, you begin to number your days, right? In fact, I don't know if, if any of you, this just I was thinking about it this morning, I, we sat down with our financial advisor a while back, and we made a plan, a retirement plan. And if you've ever done this, there's this strange conversation you have where they talk about, um, you know, how much you want to save and, and at what point in your life, when you're 60, when you're 70, how much that, if you do a good job of saving, what that's going to turn into with compound interest and all of those things. And then basically they ask you, well, wh- when do you want to die? Because at that point, then we want to make sure you've got enough money to make it until you die. And it's the most depressing conversation I've ever had. Because, like, he puts this chart in front of you, and you're like, you're like, there I am, 85. I guess that's my date, you know? Because all of our days are numbered, whether you know this or not. Your days have already been numbered. I know this as a pastor, so I can feel sometimes like I'm way too essential. Uh, a lot of pastors struggle with this, feeling way too essential. And one thing I've learned as I've grown and, and been in ministry for a little while is that uh, God's church will move on without me. Praise the Lord. Praise God, I am not the center of the church. Jesus is the center of the church. And, and I know this, that if, if I leave church today and I go out to the, to the Glen and I just get like smeared by a semi-truck, just flattened, right? And I'm, you guys are scraping me off the pavement with a shovel or something, put me in a bucket. And people are going to start calling each other and, and like, oh no, what happened to Pastor Brian? I don't know. He's in a bucket. He's, in a, he's mush in a, I don't know what happened. And, and then like in, this week, you're going to plan a, a ceremony, like a, a funeral for me and and I'll be in the bucket up front here or something. You'll have little pictures of me. And, and then you guys are going to tell stories. And there'll be some, some, some tears. There'll be some joy, some excitement about, you know, like the fact that you get a new pastor, right? No, I hope not. I hope that's not the case. But you know what? There'll be some sadness. And, the, and, and you know, you'll work through it. And then you'll eat some chicken. And uh, there'll be a potluck. And people bring some food. And, and then you're going you're gonna to move on. You're going to move forward. And you're gonna, somebody else will come in and teach. They'll do a great job. And you guys will... You guys will move forward. And, and some of you are like, that's really depressing. It's actually not. It's actually really hopeful. And in this text, I hope what you see is that it's God's job to number our days. It's our job to make them count. Do you get that? So it's not your job to number your days. If you're struggling with hope today, that's not your job to number your days. That's God's job to number your days. It's your job to make them count. And if you're breathing today, then you have a reason to be here. I was listening to a worship song this week that said, if you're not dead, God's not done. And I like that. I like that. I need to believe that. If I'm not dead, God is not done. I have a reason to be here. So the question is, why are you here? How do you live a life that counts in this 
moment. I think a lot of people don't know why they're here. I think a lot of churches don't know why they're here. In fact, that's, um, I think, a great deal of why the church is declining in many ways in America is because churches that just don't know why they exist. In many ways, the only answer to that question is we exist for ourselves, which is if a church exists for itself, that is a church that is dying. I, I, I guarantee you that. So why are you here? The why of your life is called your vision. It's this thing that you're living toward. It's this image you have in your mind that you want to see come to reality. And Jesus had a vision. He showed up to earth with a vision. He knew exactly why he was on earth. And so um, we're actually going to read this from Matthew chapter 6. Would you mind standing together? Can we just stand in honor of God's word and in honor of this prayer? And for those of you who grew up old school, maybe Baptist, uh, we're going to read it in the KJV. Amen, right? So, because it gets really distracting when you guys are different translations. And we're going to read it together. By the way, I'm a I grew up Baptist, so love my Baptist. Love some potlucks, right? You, you're the one that brought the chicken. I know that. So um, I don't even know what that was about. Uh, we're going to read this together. Last time you did this, by the way, it was a train wreck. Good Friday. Anybody, were you here for that? We do not do corporate readings well at ACF, but we're growing, and we're going to do this. I believe in you. So let's read this out loud together. Here we go. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You guys can be seated. Side note, you killed that. Well done. <laughs> if anybody tells you you're not making progress, you are. Well done. Good job. You're making progress. I love that prayer. Because that prayer, in that single prayer, as Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, he gives them a vision. He gives them something to imagine in their minds. And from Jesus' vision, we have a vision. We've come up with what our vision is as a church family. And so this is going to be a little bit like school, okay? So I'm going to ask you to respond back. Um, and it's okay if you don't know, but does anybody here happen to know the big picture vision of ACF Church? You might have seen it on the wall as you walked into the room. There, wait, there, what is that? There it is. Let's put it on the screen. Well done. Student of the day, you get the star sticker. Well done. In Alaska, we, our prayer... And our vision is that we would see it be here in Alaska as it is in heaven. Now, Jesus prayed on earth, and that's our prayer. It would be on earth as it is in heaven, absolutely. But we are stationed here in Alaska in 2021. We have a job to do. We have a vision to see come to fruition in the world around us. But what does this mean? What does it mean that it would be in Alaska as it is in heaven? I think it means this. It means one king. It means one kingdom. It means peace between God and man. Every need supplied. Total acceptance. People loving God and God loving people. That's heaven. And so this is the vision, and this is what Jesus came to, pro to proclaim. This was the good news that he came to share. 
as he continued to go from town to town, Jesus actually had one favorite sermon. Sometimes people are like, Brian, you said that before in another sermon. Jesus preached basically one sermon his entire time on earth, and it was simply this, hey, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repent. Think different. Change the way you see the world, for the kingdom of God is near. Heaven is here. As Jesus showed up to earth, it was the beginning of a brand new thing. It was a new king that was coming to town. And he shows up to say, hey, heaven is at earth. Heaven is in earth. Heaven is here. Jesus is here, so heaven is here. And so our job as God's people is to do the very same thing. It's to bring heaven to earth. And the way that we do that is by introducing people to this new kingdom, this new way that the world one day will run. And this is what we believe and what we're living toward is that one day God will fully establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And you will either be a part of it or you won't. And you choose today whether you want to be part of God's kingdom or whether you want to sit outside of God's kingdom. That's the decision we all have to make. And that is the gospel, is that there's a kingdom that you are being invited into. Do you want to partake in that? Do you want to be a part of it? And also, as you become a part of it, do you want to see it be in Alaska as it is in heaven? Do you want to be part of seeing others be introduced to it? This is such a massive story that you've been invited into. It's so big. It's, this is so much better than, hey, you can go to heaven or burn in hell. Which one do you want? You know what? Like, that is the weakest gospel presentation I can ever imagine. Jesus shows up and says, there's a new king in town. And I'm here to restore what's broken in this world. Do I need to make a point to us today that the world is broken? Do I need to work hard to show us that, man, it's pretty messed up and that we need some restoration? Jesus shows up and says, I'm going to restore the world. And when he arrived, he began that movement that we're still part of today. And one day we will see it in fullness. So this is our vision. And so then it's like, well, well, what do we do? What do we do? If that's the vision, how do we move forward in this? And, and, and for those of you who are seniors, you're struggling with what to do, maybe. Some, everybody's like, you need a 10-year plan. I don't even have a 10-year plan. I don't know what I'm doing next week. So it's okay if you don't have a 10-year plan. But you do need to know how to live toward the vision that you have. So everybody in ACF Church, you all now have a vision for your life. And I didn't come up with it. Jesus did. It's that it would be on earth and in Alaska as it is in heaven. And, and I believe this, that when we know why we're here, we'll know what to do with our lives. Like when you start to embrace that vision, okay, so heaven on earth. Okay, so somehow God is going to use me to bring heaven to earth. Little moments where people see heaven touching earth right here and right now, in my workplace, in my school, in my college, wherever I'm going to, heaven is going to touch earth because God is going to use me to do that. Now I'm going to know what to do. You know, it's really important that you know what to do. Because if you're here today and you don't really know what to do when it comes to being part of this church family, um, my guess is this, you are soon to walk away. You are soon to, to go somewhere else or do some other thing. In the end, this is not worth your time if you don't really know what to do. I think we all do this. We naturally remove things from our lives that we don't actively participate in. So if you're anything like me, I have like 12 TV subscriptions, you know, online uh, streaming video subscriptions at this point, and I watch one of them. And so the other day, I was opening up my Roku, and I was like, where, what even is all this? Are we paying for this? You know, like, sure enough, we're paying for these different, it's like, let's get rid of the stuff that we're not actively 
using, right? When it comes to the church family, I just want you to know um, consumerism gets really old really fast. Showing up just to kind of watch and see things from a distance and take it in for an hour and then go home, that's honestly, it's, it's not really worth your time. I, I, if that's what you're going to do long term, I'm not sure why you'd come back. And I understand, if you're asking questions and you're not maybe a believer yet and you're here asking, that, that's great. Do that as long as you want. But I want to tell you this. If you don't actively participate in what's going on here, it's going to get really old. It's why we do these little, like, uh, action cards at the end of every service. Some of you are just like, why do we do this? It's because this is why we're here, is to take a next step. If you don't take a next step, you've wasted your time. There's no reason to keep doing this. But when you show up every single week putting this time aside, saying, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set aside at least a, an hour or two every week to, to reset myself, to worship, to, to get some perspective, and I'm going to take a step every single week. At the end of the year, that turns into big movement in your life. That turns into a lot of really good things, and we really believe in that. When you don't know why you're here, you won't know what to do, and you're going to default to something that we've seen in many other people's lives, but it's a lot harder to see in our lives, and it's something called laziness. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because you probably wouldn't raise your hand, but you'd try to get somebody else to raise their hand, right? Like somebody, hey, raise it up like this is you. But we all have struggled with some laziness. In fact, in the last year, has anybody else struggled with some laziness? I know I have. In fact, a few months ago, I, was, I just told my wife, I'm like, babe, we have got to do something about our diet. Because my, my, my eating plan over the past year has been basically, if it looks delicious, eat it. And if it's on the table and it looks good, I'm just, I'm just filling up, right? Total just anxiety eater, eating more to make myself feel better. And so we just decided a, a couple months ago, we need to start cutting the carbs, cutting the sugar, right? We've gotten really lazy with what we eat. I would say that our spiritual journeys have in many ways been the same struggle. Although we felt like we got all this extra time and maybe some, not all of you, but some of you felt like you got some more margin over the past year and some time to reset and refocus, you didn't find that it was natural then to focus that energy on Jesus or on growing your faith or on reading the Bible or studying or having in-depth conversations. Many of us just went to Netflix, right? And I love some Netflix, but again, this is not a meaningful life. This is not how we derive meaning laziness. This is a huge struggle. And I really find this in the church. This comes back to what I was saying, is if you don't know what to do with this whole church thing, you're going to bail out. And if your heart is not to get to know Jesus in a deeper way and to be part of this kingdom, you won't walk into what you're here to do. And this is why, you know, I've seen a lot of people come and go over the years, people who are high-capacity leaders in our community, business owners, uh, people who are leading uh, large groups of men and women on the base and people who have all kinds of influence and in most of their life, they are so diligent and so focused and they are pushing forward. But when it comes to their faith, they're lazy. And they've even said that, man, I don't know why over here I am hard driving, I'm focused, I'm going after something and over here I'm just really lazy and the answer is they have not found a vision. They've not, and if they found it, they haven't embraced it. Our vision is for it to be in Alaska as it is in heaven, to resist the spirit of laziness, to just kind of go to sleep. What, a, what an incredible tool for the enemy to use against the church. Just, just go to sleep, church. Just, just get lazy. Just take care of yourself. The Proverbs speak about this. Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, 
while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. I love that word sluggard. You can use that on your siblings this, <laughs> today, right? You sluggard, do the dishes, right? I mean, we don't use that word too often, but this is very descriptive, like craving and getting nothing. It'd be like sitting at a table full of food and, and being really hungry and just not having the desire to get your hand up and put it in your mouth. Literally starving at a table full of food. I'm craving it, I want it, but I'm not gonna do anything about it. This is what it's like with the kingdom of God. This is what it's like with the vision that Jesus has given us. There's this incredible, fulfilling vision right before your eyes. You're craving it. You want it. You're desiring after it. And yet maybe you're sitting there and you just can't seem to quite get your arm up on the table to do something about it. But the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. You can feel fulfilled. You can feel at peace with yourself. You can go to bed at night. I promise you this. You can go to bed at night and say that was a day that was well lived. That you can feel at peace with who you are. At peace with your existence. You can feel at peace with God, which is something that we all want. You know, the, uh, the things you want most, they don't happen on their own. We know that, right? Uh, we, we have to resist and, and identify, have I become spiritually lazy uh, you, you, you will not wake up tomorrow morning and like open your bank account and be like, honey, we paid off the house. How did that happen? I don't know. I just accidentally did it. We just, you will not go, to, go home after church today and like walk downstairs to that, that bathroom that you've needed to remodel for years and just open the door and be like, oh my gosh, new countertop, new flooring, new, new sink. This is incredible. Honey, how did this happen? I don't know. We just accidentally did it. We just accidentally remodeled the bathroom. Never heard that. Never heard somebody tell me I accidentally finished college or I accidentally built a really strong marriage or I accidentally wrote a book or paid off all my debt. Nobody ever accidentally does anything of value in life. It takes diligence, intentionality, consistency, right? So even today, you made a decision. You chose to come here. If you're watching online, you chose to set aside some time and, and focus in on a computer screen, which I know is not always easy. But you're doing it. And I'm proud of you for doing that because you're investing this time into your spiritual growth. And you're saying, the outcome that I want in my life is going to take some intentionality. And so I'm going I'm to set this, this time aside consistently in my life. So that's our vision. That's what we're here to see happen. Now the question is, how do we accomplish that? The, uh, the business term for how we accomplish the vision is the word mission. So that's the, really the next question. What is our mission? And so, again, back to school, in the room. Can anybody tell us what our mission is? It's different than our vision. What's our mission? Some t-shirts around with it. Wait, wait, there it was. I heard it. Amplify. Oh, give her a hand. Come on. There it is. Was it on the screen? No? Okay, you, I was like, you cheater. No, that's awesome. We exist to amplify the grace of Jesus to the church, to the unchurched, and the de-churched. This is so good. This is, this is for us as a church. Every church has a specific mission. So our job is not to be the church down the road, okay? Our job is not to do the same thing that your church back home did or the church that's down in Anchorage is doing. Our job is to do what ACF is supposed to do. And we have a specific mission that we're here to, to, to do. And so uh, what is an amplifier? If you don't know what an amplifier is, these speakers that you're hearing my voice through uh, are coming through an amplifier. 
Basically, an amplifier receives a signal and makes it audible to a greater number of people. That's all it does. So a signal comes in, and what comes out is just louder. And the same thing is true for the Christian that receives grace from Jesus. When you receive the grace of Jesus, all you naturally do, you can't help it, is amplify it to others. It's like it flows from us naturally because we've received it. What I see a lot in churches and in Christians is people who are trying to amplify a signal that they've never received. I want you to hear this. Don't miss this. You cannot amplify something you have not received. If I'm not speaking on the microphone, nothing's coming out. And the same is true in our lives. And the world can tell when we're faking it. The world can tell when we're trying to amplify grace to others to show them something that we have not truly received. I mean, the negative, the adverse part of this is true as well. If what we've received is judgment and legalism, guess what we will amplify to the world? Judgment and legalism. And so we have to look at what we're amplifying and go, if what I'm amplifying is judgment and legalism, I have to wonder, have I received grace from Jesus? You see, I don't think that we have a giving problem. I think we have a receiving problem. What's coming out is actually what's on the inside. And so we have to come back to God, give me grace. Help me to understand. Help me to make God's grace loud to the world. And I know the only way I can do that is by receiving it today. So we talk a lot about grace as a church family. Um, in fact, I've had people, people criticize that, um, that we talk too much about grace. Uh, let me just be very clear today. You can never overdo it with grace. Ever. I promise you that. Jesus never turned down the volume on his grace so that he could turn up the volume in his law. He showed up when they were saying, Jesus, tell us more about law. Jesus said, let me simplify it for you. Love God and love people. And in fact, in John 1, it says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full, listen to the word full, of grace and truth. So Jesus never sacrificed grace so that he could be more truthful, and he never sacrificed truth so that he could be more gracious. He was full of grace, and he was full of truth, and that's what we will do as a church family. We will never sacrifice grace for truth. Say, let me put down my grace for a minute so I can be a jerk to you. No, in fact, now it's not about how people receive it all the time because sometimes you can be loving and gracious and it's still resisted and maybe feels judgmental. But in the end, if I love you, I will not let you destroy yourself. I will do everything that I can to tell you what the truth is and I will do it from a place of love and grace for you. But grace does not compel me to keep my mouth shut when you are hurting yourself. When you're believing something that's a lie, like that is not grace. That, that's the opposite of grace. And the same is true that in telling the truth, we have to be honest. Like, are we doing this to care for them? Are we doing this to love them? So this is really important that we understand that we don't have to put down grace to be truthful. We don't have to put down truth to be gracious, but we as a church family will be fully gracious and that truth is actually an aspect of grace for one another. If you love me, you will tell me the truth. And if I love you, I will tell you the truth. And I'll do so in a way that's best for you, not for me, because I'm here to love you. So the way we accomplish this mission that we have. We have a mission to amplify the grace of Jesus. We talked about the church, unchurched, and de-churched. Now, that's a very specific thing, by the way. 
Of course, churches are for, you know, church people. If you're new to Alaska and you go to church, then we're glad that you're here. And then if you're just checking out faith, obviously, if you're unchurched, you're like, I don't know anything about Moses or Noah or even Jesus, then, then we're here for you. But we also have this deep passion for the de-churched. If you're here with some church wounds, um, if you've gone through a season of maybe deconstructing your faith and you're now trying to rebuild it, um, this is a family that exists for you as well. So that's, that's not every church, but that is a mission that we have as a church. We, we love questions. We want you to bring your doubts and your questions to church. That's important that you do that. So the way we accomplish our mission comes from what we value. Does that make sense? So the, 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 the vision is what we want to see. The mission is how we're going to do it. And then how we're going to actually accomplish the mission comes from who we are as individuals. We will never go after the mission if these things aren't truly uh, in our souls, if, if, if God doesn't change who we are. And so as an ACF family, we have some values. Here are our values. First, we believe life is better together. Do you believe that? In 2021, after the year that we've had, we should be more aware than ever that we need relationships that we need a community around us, that life was meant to be lived in relationships. And you know what? I have had moments where I'm like, I just want to buy a piece of land in the center of Alaska, and I want to parachute out of an airplane and just live there, away from it all. I've had those moments. And I'm joking a little bit, but like seriously, we feel like that sometimes. But when I drill that down, I realize that's, that's not the life I want to live because God has created me for relationships. He's created me here with my days that are numbered, and, and in these days that are numbered, right, I need, to, I need to see as many people experience heaven on earth as possible in the moments that God gives me here. So life is better together. The second thing is this. We want to lead the way in generosity. This is, what we, this is who we are. Again, we can only be generous if, if we first felt the generosity of God. If you find yourself not being generous, it's probably because you don't believe in a generous God. Just be real about that for a moment. So we, we want to lead the way because God led the way first. God's, he's so generous to you and me. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's so generous that we get to sit in this room together this morning. It's so generous that I have a running vehicle that got me here. It's so generous that I slept in a bed last night that was in a warm house. Like, God is so generous to me. I have a marriage that is working, and this is just a gift from God. So we want to be generous to other people. We can't help but being generous because God has been generous to us the next one here. This is a lot of what we're talking about today, that we are contributors, not consumers. We are not a consumer church. Um, This is funny because people will come to ACF and they'll see like, you know, the the, the band and the lights and stuff and be like, oh, consumer church. Uh, Since when does the way we worship mean that we're a consumer church? Like we're here to love our community and we want everyone to be a part of it. And the moment that you believe that this is a consumer church or consumer-driven community that you show up to consume is the moment that you're walking out the door. Really, it won't last. And it can't last. And so again, we need a reason to be here. We need something to do. And so this is why we're always giving you opportunities to serve. Not to get something from you, but to give something to you. Uh, so this is really key, this is, that you understand the ministries of ACF, that we don't use people to build the ministries of ACF. We use the ministries of ACF to build people. Does that make sense? And so we want to build something into you, and that might sound, you're like, oh, you're just playing games to get me to sign up for something. Trust me, it's okay. Like, we're going to make it without you. But you don't want us to. Trust me, you don't want us to. It's a privilege. Like, what a gift it is that we get to serve. It's a privilege. I want you to know I'm privileged to be able to stand right here today. Like, what a gift. Thank you for allowing me to teach. This is something God's put in my heart, and so it's a gift. 
But you've got gifts, incredible gifts that God wants to use. And the last one is this. We see life as a mission, not a vacation. This is really important. That we're not here just to play games. We love to have fun. You're going to laugh a lot at ACF Church. We love to enjoy ourselves. But we have a mission to do, you know. I mean, one, one, day, one day we will have time to, to sit and reflect on this entire life lived. But for right now, in this moment, there is a mission to accomplish and that mission comes from who we are, right? It's, it, it's, it's how God has changed our lives so that we can see this great vision of it being in Alaska as it is in heaven. So why does all this matter? As we close, like, why the big mission, vision, values thing? Here's why. Because a church without a vision is a church that only exists for itself. And in the end, like I said earlier, that is a dying church. And what I see at ACF is that God is building his church right now, that he's resurrecting the church. I mean, it's just so cool to see this. And you should look around this room even, like, like God is filling this room. Praise God. And at the same time, every empty seat in this room represents one of our friends or neighbors that, that need to hear about Jesus. And so all of us are church planters, whether you know it or not. Guess what? If you're a Christian, you're here, you're part of ACF, you're a church planter. Think like an entrepreneur. Think like a church planter. Think like God is building something. How do I be a part of that? That's what we're doing right now. And it's just, it's a privilege to see God do that. We don't want to be part of the consumer culture. We don't want to just do things for ourselves. And if you buy into this consumer culture, what you're going to start doing is you're always looking for a kickback. You're always looking for a payback for what you do. And in fact, as we go out to Impact Eagle River next week, what we're going to do is, if you don't know about this, this room will be empty because we will be in our city serving Jesus, serving Jesus and serving our community. We're going to be out meeting needs and loving people. And, and here's what's going to happen. Some of you are going to go to somebody's door and, and you're going to say, hey, can we rake your yard or whatever? And they're going to break down in tears. And you're going to get to pray for them. And they're going to be like, I have been just sitting here feeling so hopeless and this is a gift from God. And you're going to get this huge payback in your heart. You're going to be like, oh, feels so good. And somebody else, you're going to go knock on the door. And they're going to open the door, and you're going to be like, hey, we're from ACF. And they're going to be like, bam! And they're going to slam the door right in your face. And you're going to walk away and be like, why do I even serve? But that's how it works sometimes. And if your ultimate goal is to get a paycheck or a payback for what you do, you will not continue serving. But that's what we do when we don't have a vision. In fact, um, one of our teenagers earlier mentioned McDonald's, which I love me some McDonald's. I had a Big Mac yesterday, not on my diet. I'll be real with you. But, but I loved it. But... Uh, yeah, there it is. So I just read this article this week, and I feel like it spoke directly to this. And the article said this. This is from Inside Edition. It said that McDonald's is currently offering $50 to anyone who shows up for a job interview. That's where they're at. Now, hold on. Um, again, no, no, no shame on McDonald's, but this is what's going on here, not just there, but culturally speaking right now. This is what one of the franchise owners said. He said, it has been hard to hire during the coronavirus pandemic, especially when considering the risks of contracting COVID-19 in combination with the onset of stimulus checks and enhanced unemployment benefits, right? So here's what's going on. When you, when you try to pay somebody to change their behavior, you do so because there's not a vision. When there's a lack of vision, you just try to manipulate. You try to get people to, to, to do what you want them to do, and it never really works out. And if you are after something, if you're after a paycheck in the end, it's because you lack a vision. And this is what, again, if you just need people to fill seats, this is what you do. You have to, you have to pay them. 
But this is so important. Don't miss this. When we have a vision, we will do anything to see it become a reality. You don't have to pay me for it. I'll take some doors slammed in my face. I'll take some grumpy people. I don't care. I have a vision to see it be in Alaska as it is in heaven. And I'm going to do that till the day I die. Because God has given that to me. We're running out of time. I want to close with a few things. Jesus, he had a very clear job to do. And here's what he said. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And so the first thing that Jesus was here to do and that we exist to do is that we exist to speak up about the gospel, the good news. Like sometimes we just have to speak up about it. We do have to talk about it. There's a time to serve and just to serve in the name of Jesus with no strings attached and just we're there doing what we're called to do. And there's another time to say, hey, the reason for my hope is Jesus. The reason for the way I love you is Jesus. In fact, a friend of mine was talking to me yesterday and he was like, man, it was so cool. I was at work and I was telling this friend of mine about how uh, we have this community that we're a part of that I get together with every week, this ACF community. And in this community, you can believe different things and struggle with different things and see things differently politically, being from different economic and social backgrounds, but we're all united under the name of Jesus. This is what he's telling his friend at work. And he's like, yeah, it was a pretty cool conversation. And I was like, cool? Are you kidding me? I said, I said you just shared the gospel. And he's like, are, are you sure? And I'm like, you shared the gospel. You don't, you don't, they don't have to walk through the Romans road, right? They don't have to go through the wordless books. I mean, you know that. Here's the green sheet. Here's the white sheet. Like, it, this represents the blood of Christ. Like, you don't have to go through that, although there's a time for that, to share the good news. Listen, this is this idea of gospel. The word gospel in this text is the word, the Greek word euangelion. And it's where we get the word evangelism, okay? And so in ancient cultures, in ancient cities, what would happen is, is a new king would be crowned, or a battle would be won, and that news would be given to a herald, and that herald would also be known as an evangelist. And that evangelist would go from town to town to town saying, Good news! There's a new king in town, and the battle is won, and they would celebrate. And so you are evangelists. And the story you're telling, once again, is not, hey, um, you can go to heaven, you can go to hell, which one do you want? It's there is a new king in town, and his name is Jesus. There is a new king in town. The battle is won. And so when we share that, that is the gospel. It's such a bigger story than that. He continues on. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. You see, we exist also to set people free. You in your own power can set no one free. I in my own power can set no one free. But through the power of the Spirit of God, we can see people be set free. And I've seen it. I see it every week here. I see people get it. They understand grace for the first time, and it's, you, they're visibly different after that. It's like God changes them from the inside out. The burden of sin is released from them, and they can walk in freedom. That is setting people free. You need to understand when he talks about the oppressed, he's talking about you and I apart from Jesus. He doesn't just mean the physically oppressed or the physically poor. And we live in a city full of spiritually poor and oppressed people, whether you know it or not. 
Sure, Eagle River might have a lot of nicely mowed yards and pretty nice houses, and you know many people are military, and military people tend to be somewhat uh, uh, financially established, right? It's like, well, paychecks come in, and, 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 and so we can be in Eagle River sort of lulled to sleep thinking that, oh, there's no oppression in our city. No, I promise you there is oppression in our city. I hear about it every week. People lost in depression, people's marriages that are on the brink of disaster, people who are abusing their children, children who are being abused. I mean, this is everywhere in our city behind those nicely painted front doors. Jesus has come to set people free, and that's what we get to do as well as we share the gospel. Verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, we exist to show people the favor of God. And all the favor of God, here, if you don't know what that means, the favor of God is simply the reality that God sees you and he cares. That's what it means to have the favor of God on you, just to believe in your heart. God sees me and he cares for me. And so as we go out next Sunday to serve our community, we're gonna lay the favor of God on Eagle River, right? on Anchorage, in the valley, wherever we go to serve. People are gonna catch the favor of God and they're gonna get a scent of the kingdom of God. Because in those little moments, even when the door gets slammed in your face, heaven will come to earth. Because guess what you did a few times? You slammed the door in God's face a few times. I know I have. And he kept on knocking as Jesus speaks. And he kept on knocking until the day that, that we opened the door and we said, come in. And so that's my invitation to you. We've got some action steps here today. Again, if you want to pull this out, if you want to take a next step, we just want to send you a text this week to to give you some encouragement in that next step. And you can drop these in the baskets um, on the way out the doors. But maybe you just need to begin with an honest relationship with Jesus. The reason that you're not amplifying grace is because you haven't received it. If that's you today, you're just like, sign me up. I need grace. Maybe you need to sign a friend up for a free oil change. Again, this is anybody that's, that's needing help. Families with um, you know, single parent homes or have adopted children or special needs families, any of those families. If, if you think they could use a hand right now, sign them up. Text them right now in church. You can do it. Pull out your phone. Go ahead. Text them. We'd love to change your oil. Sign up to serve at Impact next Sunday. If you come here to church, uh, you're just going to miss out. So if you come at 11, the whole thing's almost over. Um, come at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Or not tomorrow morning, Sunday morning. You come at 8 tomorrow morning if you want. 8 a.m. Sunday morning um, for our huddle. And the last is that this is really important that you get this. Uh, sign a friend up to serve with you. You have coworkers that will come with you next week. You have coworkers and, and friends from school that will never come in this building to go to a church service, but they will go help people in our community. They'll do it. We see it every year, people who are like, I'm not sure about God and Jesus and church, but like this whole change in oil for people, like I get that, that makes sense. Or this whole serving the elderly in our community, I get that, let's do that. So um, sign somebody up, get some people coming with you next week. Would you stand up? I'd love to pray for us as we close. Father, thank you so much for our church family. And we want to start by simply receiving grace from you. And if this is you today, just pray with me. Father, I have seen that I don't give a whole lot of grace because I haven't received much grace. So God, would you empty out the just bucket loads of grace on my life? Could I receive it today? Can I know what it feels like to feel the favor of my heavenly Father? To know that everything that I've done, things that I should have done but didn't do, God, that that is 
as your word says, as far as the east is from the west, God, you have separated me from my sin and that you have imputed upon me righteousness because of Jesus. So I want to receive that here today. If that's you, just, just receive that and begin that relationship in your heart right now. God, we as a church family have a mission to accomplish next week. God, supply everything we need to do that. We just trust that you will. And God, we ask that you would make an incredible impact on our city through us next week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.